Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Joypad podcast. I am one of your hosts, Fleming. I am here, and I am drinking a purple haze, my friends. So I am having a good night already. I'm jealous. And uh, yeah, I am actually... You're jealous? Oh, I'm jealous, man. I love <laughs> oh. a good Abita purple haze. Yeah, it's delicious. I am currently actually playing my typical games, War Thunder, and... Uh, I'm also playing a little bit of the Rocket League recently. They have a special event that will have already passed when everybody hears this. Hope you got into that five-year anniversary event. Can't believe that game has been out for five years. And I've also been playing Hearts of Iron 4. I'm trying a new strategy, basically changing up the world, uh, making some people go communist while others go fascist. That wasn't happening in 1941. So that's been exciting as well. Tom, since you spoke first, what are you drinking and what are you playing? Oh, thank you, sir. I am drinking a fine uh, Gatorade Zero, uh, the flavor of which is blue. Glacier Freeze. It's, it's just blue. That's my favorite. I was, I was, no, gonna, I was gonna say blue, to be honest no, no, with no. you. There's multiple, there's, okay, as a, as a Gatorade enthusiast, when I'm oh, totally running, I can tell you that there are multiple flavors of blue, and the Glacier Freeze is by far the best I, one. I, you're actually right. I can't argue with that. <laughs> it's Nothing a good I've blue. said is wrong. However, Gatorade Zero is gross. Uh, no, the zero is fine to me. It doesn't bother me. I don't like diet stuff, the aspartame and all that Splenda stuff. That doesn't taste good to me. It has a really weird taste. A, but anyway, sorry, what are you playing? I'm a G2 man um, myself. <laughs> yeah. So in, in addition to the Gatorade Zero, I also have a mug of fine Kona Blend coffee in a Homestar Realty cup uh, from the agent who helped us buy, sell, and rent our first house uh, who owns that company. So this is not a shout out to him. Thing. <laughs> was, uh, was strong bad your agent um, <laughs> you know what uh we thought nothing but home star <laughs> jokes the entire time we started working with them if only um no uh, i've been playing more dynasty warriors eight empires for the most part um trying to think of other games i've really been engaging with more of um the Outer Worlds, a lot of the Outer Worlds, I would actually say. There's been multiple days where my wife and I have just played, like, I don't know, six or eight hours of the Outer Worlds. And it just keeps going because it's a huge Fallout-style game. Yeah. It's great. I can't um, get my wife to do six to eight hours of anything. Except sleep. <laughs> <laughs> except sleep. That is true. Uh, oh, cool. My wife normally does, like, ten-plus hours of sleep. Um, <laughs> so that's fine. So the Outer Worlds has been great. Uh, still have not played The Last of Us 2, though I have heard from the rest of the gang here that uh, it's anticipated that I will not like it. <laughs> so I, I look forward to playing and possibly not liking that game. Yeah, um, for any, um, any of our new listeners that hear this again a couple weeks into the future, uh, we actually put out a special, the three of us, that um, played and or watched the game and, and has a lot of feelings and thoughts. So... We're, again, we're excited, Tom, when you finally get to play, <laughs> what your thoughts on it are. But uh, yeah, it, it was a, it's, an, uh, it's an episode already up. Go and check it out and tell us what you think about the game, too. I hope you like it. I, I, I hope like I it like too. it, too. Um, but we'll see. So anyway, uh, why don't I throw it over to Mike Pinto. What are you playing, drinking, and uh, I don't know, thinking about on your on your time as you relax let's see i um <laughs> i'm doing the double beverage tonight i scrounged through the refrigerator and found one more beer uh it is a sunny spot grapefruit shandy the last of its kind is it really sweet it's pretty darn sweet yeah yeah you're yeah the, the shandies are typically sweet on their own but then you start adding in like grapefruit or orange and stuff, and it can get really sweet really fast. Tomorrow I'm looking forward to picking up some uh, peach ale from the Susquehanna Brewing Company. Yeah. And uh, I'm also, of course, also drinking Northeast Pennsylvania's finest tap water because got to stay hydrated. Uh, mm -hmm. In terms of <laughs> games, I have really needed a, what I, what I have been saying is a palate cleanser after playing The Last of Us 2. Again, I enjoyed the game. It's just extremely heavy and very emotional. So I've mostly been playing Stardew Valley. I've been playing War Thunder a lot, actually, on my own time as well as with you guys. And I'm actually feeling pretty good about that game. Like, I actually feel like I'm getting decent at it. What uh, country? I did stick with China. So. Oh, you traitor. Yeah, I we're know. All, we're all part of the China squad. <laughs> I know. Heck, man. It's okay. Uh, and then uh, I've also been playing Song of Horror. I just finished episode two. 
And man, the end of episode one had me stressed the heck out. It's a survival horror game. It's very slow paced and very atmospheric. So when spooky things start happening, it's like, <gasps> oh no. Yeah. And uh, I have been thinking about um, ketchup chips. And for some reason, what? the game Battleship. The, not the movie Battleship? There was a movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Based on the board game. I don't even know how that would work. I'm, okay. I'm not, I'm, not even, I'm not even being facetious. I wish I were, but someone in Hollywood had the idea to adapt, I believe, Hasbro's Battleship into a movie. Quick, Officer Jenkins, fire on B3. B3. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, I don't know. I'm going to spend the next, like, three or four minutes thinking about that while Megan tells us what she's drinking, feeling, uh, and playing. Oh, boy. Uh, I'm feeling better than I was last week after playing The Last of Us Part 2, so that that's a positive. Uh, to kind of piggyback off of Tom and talking about adaptations of games to things, like on the television. Anyway, uh, I don't know if you guys saw, but Bethesda and Amazon announced today that they are turning Fallout into a television series on Amazon. That seems kind of weird. I have mixed feelings about that. F Fallout seems like it would be a strange kind of choice as an adaptation. Yeah. Because it doesn't have a solid character exactly. to revolve around. Like, you kind <laughs> of create the character's personality. Like, it, it just doesn't... I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they work it out. But, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm more optimistic... I'm more optimistic in this day and age because I was pessimistic about The Witcher and that uh, turned out really good. Um, but I, I kind of didn't see how they were going to do that. Then again, Geralt is a strong character. So, true. yeah, I don't know. I, I think there's room to develop something. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Um, but yeah, I am drinking uh, Aquafina, not sponsored. And as far as what I'm playing, I'm not really playing anything this week. I kind of... To, oh, that's a lie. I did play uh, a strong recommendation from Tom, Frog Fractions. If you haven't done so, please, <laughs> please check it out. It's a, it's a wonderful uh, flash game that teaches you math. Not at all. We're good. <laughs> We're gonna, we're gonna talk more about frog fractions later too. <laughs> <laughs> but please, 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 please do yourself a favor and check it out. But other than that, I, I've kind of been taking a break from playing games uh, just after my general overall feeling after playing The Last of Us Part Two. So yeah, I'm going to stop rambling and pass it back to Fleming, who is uh, leading the topic this week. Topic discussioner, dude. Facilitator? There you go. Topic facilitator? No, it's, right, it's, yeah. it's officially topic discussioner dude now. So, yeah, it's a topic... Dude, yes. Topic <laughs> discussioner dude. Um, yeah, so this week is going to kind of be a continuation of the last, like, 15 minutes of the previous episode of our podcast, um, where we're going to be discussing games <laughs> that we think no one else in the group knows. Now, maybe you guys have already shared some ideas and, like, the person found out about the game, but try to surprise somebody in this... Uh, a game that you haven't or that you have played that they haven't played um something very obscure you know potentially a really good game but think from the past you know 30 years approximately of all of our lives you know think about the games that you've played and try to come up with something so last week at the end of the last week we were talking about titanic adventure out of time <laughs> um which was a hilarious conversation check it out if you didn't but this week i had another game that i want to mention that i think mike pinto you will find very intriguing just because it is an rts game uh back in oh god uh 96 97 there was a game called outpost that came out i don't know if anyone knows that game Sounds familiar. No. Long story short about the game um, is that there is the human race is destroyed by natural events. Basically, on the cinematics of the game, it is um, destroyed by meteors, similar to like a dinosaur kind of event. The humans that could escape do. It's approximately, I would say, 300 people escape. And you're looking for worlds in a cryogenic state for... It's supposed to be some like 100 years or so, 50 years, something quite a, you know, a long time, far away from Earth, outside of our solar system, if not our galaxy. And they finally find a world that's um, habitable, but not great. 
and then it turns into effectively a civil war. So basically Eden, one of the factions, wants to cultivate the uh, world, make it into a new earth, and the other group, Plymouth, want to, you know, be new voyagers and kind of go to their new Plymouth Rock and um, keep the world and, and make it, you know, survive in the, you know, the world's uh, environment without terraforming it. Uh, long story short, two events occur. One, the eating group um, uses scientists and creates something called the Blight, which is similar to something similar to, you know, like the mist kind of thing where like it's going to kill you if you're in it. And the Plymouth group actually have volcanic eruptions to like destroy them and natural storms and stuff. Long story short, you play as one of the two uh, civilizations um, and you have a civil war. You have to like collect data to get enough stuff to build a rocket ship. You keep evacuating every single, at the end of every single episode, mission, there's the word, mission, you have to escape. The game's actually really cool. It's very robotic. You never play as a human directly, but there's like stories that you read throughout. It's a really fun game. And if no one's ever played it, it's from, like I said, about 1997, a really good game. Uh, maybe, uh, Nin you know, 1994, it believe it or not. Uh, so even earlier. Oh, even just, earlier, I yeah. Took I a, remember took a Google. It's a really cool game. Outpost 2 came out later, I think. Maybe that's the one that I played more of. But really good game, really enjoyable. Um, and I'm just curious, you know, what kind of games... In fact, that was actually my first RTS game that at least I can remember. Even before StarCraft came out. So, like, this kind of put me into that sci-fi um, kind of, you know, environment and world. I bet you I still have that CD somewhere. I doubt it plays on Windows 10. But definitely, you know, a game that introduced me to RTS. It was, I think, a game that none of you ever uh, played before. And it's super interesting story-wise. Um, kind of goes into, I think it was actually based on a book, if I remember right, too. So really obscure game and a game that um, kind of touched me in some way. Not super awesome. I could definitely dive into the story a little bit, but effectively, whichever one you play as wins, if you will, and evacuate, but they still take the other civilization's children at the end to kind of, you know, live on. But everyone else in that colony, um, colony dies, unfortunately. Uh, but it's a really cool game. I have some good news. Uh, it appears that archive.org um, has Outpost on their archived games. So it looks like you're able to play that through archive.org, oh, so uh, as well as amazon.com has a new copy in box, it looks like, with, <laughs> pr with prime shipping for uh, the low, low price of 19.97. But there's only one left in stock, so order soon. Well, obviously, someone on this pod or someone that's watching the podcast uh, is going to have to jump on that before it disappears. I'm surprised they have a new inbox of that. Actually, game. actually, I don't. I don't think it is new inbox. It says uh, it says original case, single CD, and original case owner's manual and installation guide. So the, it looks the like case it's just was. Uh, if I remember it, the case was just one of those white, like flat, you know what I'm talking about? Those little like white sleeves that games came in a lot. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? Those ones. That's what I think oh, it no. came in. It has, it has a nice box. It has it has some nice art. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> is it a CD-ROM <laughs> really... or is it a floppy? Yeah, it's a, C it's a CD ROM. CD ROM. CD ROM. Really good game. Um, game that kind of touched me uh, way back when. Thank you, Tom, for the, the information. I'll <laughs> jump right on that. That's, that's my research <laughs> skills at work. But uh, yeah, really good game. Game that definitely touched me. Um, you know, and shaped uh, you for years really, to come. Yeah, well, it shaped me because, like, when StarCraft came out, it to me was very similar in the idea of humans have gone out in the world. Um, the, you know, the backstory of the Terran, for example, is like they were like prisoners, if I understand correctly, and they were like sent away from Earth. You know, so like really cool stuff like that, that, you know, kind of those games, um, the, the Outpost game kind of led me into StarCraft when that came out, which led me into obviously StarCraft 2 and... Uh, it was an RTS, kind of clunky, because all the RTSs from that time frame were pretty clunky. And Warcraft 3 was, or sorry, Warcraft uh, 2 came out around then too. So like it's, you know, it was a whole RTS genre for me right around that time. And that's the one that I've never, I don't think, mentioned to any of you except for, you know, prep work for the podcast. Um, definitely a game that touched me. But I've talked plenty of time. That's one um, game. Maybe we'll jump back into a Titanic Adventure out of time later. Uh, <laughs> But what games um, do you guys have that are pretty obscure, you think no one else has played, that uh, kind of touched you in some way, or, or you know, has a funny story like, like Adventure Out of Time, something like well, that? 
we uh, we touched on it a little <laughs> bit earlier. Uh, we were kind of brainstorming some topics together last night, and uh, the one that kind of came to mind for me was a game called Frog Fractions, uh, which is not uh, an older, obscure game from my childhood, but kind of an internet oddity. If you are listening to this podcast and you have any interest in Frog Fractions uh, and having a surprise, uh, fun little jaunt for yourself, don't listen to what I'm about to say. Google Frog Fractions and go play it in browser. It's a flash game. It's not very intense. Um, It's just fun. So without further ado, uh, I'm going to talk about Frog Fractions a little bit. (laughs) So Frog Fractions is actually kind of subversive. Uh, It's kind of masked as like an educational game in the old style, like, um, you know, kind of read a rabbit or, or something like that. But you kind of just start out as a frog on a lily pad with some apples around you that start to ripen and fall and there's bugs and you have to catch them with your tongue. And when you do, fractions show up. Uh, There's a score and everything. And the score is kept in fractions (laughs) as the fractions light up. So you'll end up with like a 570 over 972 score and stuff like that. There's really just like nothing, nothing fractional. Like it doesn't teach you anything about fractions. (laughs) So as you progress, you can buy items. So the first item that really advances things is there's a turtle. And when you get the turtle, you can go uh, down and when you go down, you go under the sea and you find a bun- like a bunch of apples, like so many that it just fills your- up your gauge to infinity. Then you can buy an upgrade that's a dragon. And instead of riding on a turtle, you ride on a dragon. And then you can buy a warp drive where your frog takes off and flies to Bug Mars, <laughs> where he is promptly arrested and put into Bug Court. Uh <laughs> <laughs> So, again, you three played this, to, I believe, together in the past couple of days. I have not played this game at all, but yeah. obviously I have to listen to the podcast, and I'm like, what's going you have You have to try it. I will be trying it. sounds Every like a game, game that was try. made by Adult Swim, and it plays like yes. a game that was made by Adult Swim. Interesting. Uh, 110%. Like, the, the controls are, are pretty good, though. Like, actually, even earlier, before you buy the upgrades, um, and you're still just licking bugs to get points it changes from fractions to decimals at one point and then from decimals to scientific notation um and then uh, uh what was the other oh and then it switches to a typing game so you have to type in order to catch the bugs <laughs> that's as so far as i got word to type um so and this is a anyway, flash game like on a website it's it's a flash yeah. game yeah if you just google frog fractions it'll show up and you can you can play it very easily that's, that's uh, kind of just surprising because, like, Flash games were out for years, what, early 2000s? Were, like, the really, you know, height of the of the Flash game. There was, like, Undergrounds.com, right? Yeah. That was New, what it was called. Newgrounds? Newgrounds. Newgrounds. Excuse me. I said Undergrounds. Under, Newgrounds. Under, I'm thinking of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, Newgrounds. And there's a bunch of others, too. Shockwave um, is what I always think of. Yeah, Shockwave was another one. Once you're on Bug Mars, you have to pass a naturalization test uh, to prove to them that you're a bug and you can belong on Bug Mars, even though you're a frog that eats bugs. <laughs> so you're going covert, basically. Um, more or less. <laughs> and then you, you become get, a mass murderer. No, you don't. Because they they just give you um they give you a bunch of options to kind of pick for a number of questions. So it becomes like six multiple choice answers for like ten Ooh. questions or something like that. Uh, after which, uh, if you pass, you'll be issued your Bug Mars ID and naturalization, uh, which you get to sign, and you get to sign your name on the ID. Huh. Uh, after that, was there anything else there, Megan, before you get to the next kind of bug catching stage? I don't I'm think so. I, I, I don't yeah, think I just so, think it yeah. goes to the, the next stage. Yeah. So the next stage kind of goes back to the original mechanic where you're floating around on water and catching bugs and scoring fractions. But again, you can go under the sea, and when you do, there's a maze under the sea on your dragon. So you float around in an undersea maze for a while until you get to the end of the maze, at which point the game becomes a text adventure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a pretty lengthy text adventure, um, and it has a number of different recognized commands by a text parser. And I don't don't know if, if you guys have played many text adventures... No. I actually, yeah, a little bit. I keep going. Yeah. 
Um, but basically, for, for those who are listening, if you're not familiar, the idea is that everything is represented by text. It's a written story, and uh, you tell the game what you want your character to do by typing, like, open door or, um, you know, look at room or something like that. So, it, and it does a very good job of interpreting a lot of words, which for anyone who's played a text adventure is pretty impressive because most of them didn't and most of them kind of sucked at that. Um, so, once you get through the whole text adventure thing, which is very long, uh, you become the president of Bug Mars. And then once you're the president of Bug Mars, your job is to create bug pornography and sell <laughs> bug <What>? pornography. <laughs> I missed out, man. Yep. What? <laughs> but if you don't do a good enough, well, you have to balance the ratios of your marketing and how much money you want to put into lighting and catering and stuff. This game has um, taken and- a massive turn. <laughs> <laughs> So that determines how well you do, like how much money you make back, how many Zork mids you make back uh, on selling your bug pornography. And you can buy upgrades all the while. It starts bringing back the upgrade menu and lets you spend Zork mids to buy upgrades. (laughs) Um, But if you're not doing too well at selling your bug pornography, um, you can take a bailout from yourself because you're the president of Bug Mars. (laughs) So you can just fund your own operation with the taxpayer's money. Your own pornography. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Yep. So that's uh, that's basically the uh, the story of of Frog Fractions, replete with a hundred percent spoilers, um, except for the text adventure, which is which is very dense, and uh, I I just can't get well, it all. You <laughs> mentioned uh, text adventure. That was the other game that was on my mind. Um, actually, it's a text adventure. Did anyone ever? Is that quite an adventure? Text adventure in the same concept. But have you ever played Tom? Most likely, you played a game called Hacknet. No? Sounds a little bit yeah. familiar, but I don't. I don't so, remember. So, Hacknet puts you in the world of being a hacker um, on a, on a uh, in a group. I forget what the group's name is, but basically in a, a Hacknet console, it's an entirely Linux console looking game. So everything comes off as text, and you uh, basically have the right commands and run you know uh, programs to hack into computers. So like, you'll be jumping between computers. So like you'll start by hacking, I don't know, let's just say a public library. And from the public library, you'll jump into the state research center. And then the state research center, you'll jump over to the state you know, government, which then gets you into like a military complex, which lets you steal some kind of military battle plans. I don't know, I'm making something up because I haven't played in about two years now. Um, but the game's really cool because, yeah, the, the scripting of those is kind of... Um, like If you're going to run like a worm, you just type in the command to run the worm. You don't, like, create your own worm. But you have to kind of... It's almost like a detective figure-it-out kind of game, too, because you're, like, trying to figure out what computers you can access, which then would allow you to hack into a specific port on that machine and then basically do back uh, work. And it actually has... um, There's multiple uh, mods, because it's a text game. It's so easy to write mods for it. Oh, yeah. There's tons of mods for the game. But the base game itself... I think actually took me probably like 20 hours of gameplay um, wow. and totally like a different style game that I was totally not used to. And as, uh, well, it wasn't computer science, but as an information systems major, I can tell you that um, it was very helpful to have Linux experience um, and kind of know what some of those Linux commands do. But I didn't think it was necessary, especially because you could always retry tasks or they would kind of teach you a little bit on the way too. But like there's pretty thriving... Uh, my witchcraft there, my pretty thriving community uh, around the game. I think there's like actually a Reddit and like people have made mods wow. for it. I think one was called like Hotline Miami or something like that. Oh, something that's a good Miami. Game. Yeah, uh, I forget I've the exact wording of that, of that, but really, really good game. And like if anyone that's, you know, if someone stumbles on this podcast and let's say you're a, a 17, 18 year old um, student who's considering going into computer science or wants to learn at least some basic Linux commands. It's a really good game to kind of get an idea. If you're interested at all in computer security, um, you know, which I'm in computer security, I, it actually teaches you some very simple basics of, you know, compromise systems, how hackers move around. It's very basic. It's, uh, you know, you're not going to learn anything um, super intense, but it does give you the concepts, which is really cool and really interesting. It's um, one of those games that kind of educates you slightly. Um, I think I've talked about that before probably is going to be one of my topics coming up of games that educate you uh, mm-hmm. as you play, which are really 
good games in my opinion like some of the best games have that kind of concept if you're if you're looking to learn something like that it's a great game to jump into you know it's actually when you bring up that kind of console command almost like emulation of Mm -hmm. hacking game it just reminds me of like the sub game within enter the matrix which i don't know if any of you guys ever played that game i was uh, I am uh, unabashed huge Matrix nerd. I played the Matrix online for basically the entirety of its life cycle. and was <laughs> a, a very involved um, player in the role-placing there. But in Enter the Matrix, there was a sub-game which basically ran on like a DOS platform and uh, accepted all sorts of like DOS commands. So it was basically kind of a game to hack into different things through like a DOS network. Um and eventually like you would get different things like you could unlock like a sword in the game and then you could use the sword you could unlock a fighting mode there was actually a like mortal Kombat style fighting mode to enter the matrix that would let you go two player even um and it had all all kinds of um you know little snippets like movie clips and stuff like that but uh it, it really made you go through you know all of like actual dos commands and um, even had like some time locked kind of hacking like mini games and stuff like that. So, yeah, Hacknet had similar cool. things. If you got if you stayed in a system for too long and their system administrator catches you or whatever, you have to jump out. You have to hack into your um, ISP and you need to you know basically trick your ISP into thinking it was some other person. So like you yeah. just could change your IP again. Very basic game from a concept perspective you would definitely get caught if you did any of the stuff that you know the game kind of says you could do Uh, but it it gives you good concepts if you've never been in that space you're trying to learn something it gives you a little bit of training on how how people do stuff and i think i even got the game for free and when you account for all the people that create mods since it is a text-based game it was super cool and people would like actually be able to mod like they gave like full source code basically so you could actually download different skins for like your console how it looked and how it worked it was a really good game i actually want to play it again it's just um having jumped back into that kind of game in a while uh mike pinto you're so quiet um what kind of games have you played that you know is pretty obscure or something you know you don't think we've played I know that we're all fans of the guitar hero and rock series rock band series of games which sadly have fallen by the wayside in these recent years which yeah. i think is a shame but uh i'm sure in a couple of years they'll come back around again um once coronavirus is done <laughs> yeah maybe. get together <laughs> with your friends and play uh but share that microphone they're the company that made rock band uh harmonics actually made a couple of music games before they make it rock band i can't remember who made guitar hero was wasn't it harmonics as well at first red octane uh, and harmonics yeah. yeah i mean yeah. it doesn't really matter but uh they made a couple of games that came out on the playstation 2 called frequency and then it had a sequel called amplitude and they were music and rhythm based games where you had to play the instruments like you do in rock band but you don't have like an instrument peripheral you use the shoulder buttons on the uh controller and they actually had licensed music, so you would play stuff, you know, it had, like, No Doubt. Uh, I remember David Bowie, Slipknot, Blink-182, and I was just super into those games. And the it was all, like, psychedelic, lots of flashing lights and stuff. And a couple years ago, they actually released a new version of Amplitude on the PS4 which I own, and it went back to that old style of just using the controller and the shoulder buttons. Uh, they don't really have much licensed music because um, probably it was meant to be... Expenses. Yeah, expenses. It was meant to be a lower-budget game. Like, it was download only. There were no physical copies ever made. But, uh, I don't know. I just find them super fun as a musician. I just love stuff like that. Did it so... sell well? I have no yeah. idea. I, I I can't imagine that it did. Actually, I I'm also familiar with this game. Um, I first discovered it when playing the online demo for the PlayStation Two because I bought the little network adapter that they had, um, where you had to open the expansion bay on the back, slap that bad boy in, and then plug in an Ethernet cable. Um, but it came with a demo disc that had like a Madden game, 
uh, I forget if there was a Tony Hawk, but Frequency was one of the games. And I specifically recall uh, the song Frequency by Fear Factory <laughs> as being um, one of the, the songs. And that that game is so hard. It's very hard. <laughs> it really is. Um, especially, like, I, I think the idea with the online play was to get, like, one person for every instrument. And the, you were never finding one person for every instrument because they subdivided it into, like, ten instruments or something per song. Um, but like you were just constantly shuffling your finger fingers all over the game pad. And, uh, it was, it was tough. It was really tough. Yeah. Especially with a technical song, like a fear factor. You have to have very fast fingers to play that game. And as a bassist, it's still difficult. The reason I asked if it sold well was because you said it came out before Guitar Hero or Rock Band, right. whoever, whatever one made it. So I was just curious if like they were like, hey, we've kind of got some pretty good sales for something we didn't put a lot of expense into. Let's, you know, I mean, explore them maybe more. Amplitude sold reasonably well because it had a lot of like pretty big artists, at least at the time. Like uh-huh. I said, there was Slipknot, Blink, P.O.D., Pink. Um, it's... Pretty it's just artists. such a niche game. It like, really I is. Um, I, I, and you know what, Pinto? I know you and I have have played the game too. Um, Audio Surf. Oh, I love Audio Surf. Uh, I I do too. Um, but uh, again, it's you know that kind of game. Yeah. <laughs> where it's it's really kind of a visualizer for your um, for your music. For anyone that is out there that hasn't played Audio Surf, uh, it's I don't even know how to really describe it. You just kind of like move your mouse or keyboard and you have a little car on the screen and your ID, uh, depending on what mode you play, your goal is either to pick up just the colored blocks and dodge the gray blocks. That's in mono mode, or there's a weird stereo mode where you have to collect, uh, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> rows of specific colored blocks, kind of like in a Tetris maneuver, which is far more challenging. <laughs> it's, it's a fun way if you want to just kind of like get into your music. Um, and just be a little bit more engaged in the music and not anything else uh, to kind of play that. Megan, what have you uh, played that's a little bit out there? That's something, you know, that maybe didn't sell well or is more random. Seaman. Um, no. <laughs> God, I wish I never you got had to that play game. it. I, I wish I did. <laughs> Wait, the game's called Seaman? Well, that's not what I'm talking about, but, but Pinto was talking <laughs> to me last night as to whether or not I ever played it a game called Seaman, which was released on the Dreamcast, where you cared for this um, fish with a human face. And it came with, like, a microphone apparatus that you would plug into the controller to, like, command and train it. Commander fish. Yeah, but uh, I, I, I never had it. Uh, I wanted to play it, but it, it just it never happened. Uh, maybe I should look on the internet for that. I still have my Dreamcast. But... Uh, what I decided to go with, and I've talked to Pinto about this game a little bit. He hasn't really played a whole lot of it, uh, but a game that came out in 2002 on the Nintendo GameCube um, that preceded Resident Evil 4. It's called Eternal Darkness Sanity's Requiem. Uh, and it was like the first kind of spooky game that I ever got my hands on, and I really enjoyed it. And yeah, it's like another psychological horror game. But they had some cool features. Um, Before I get into that, though, essentially the game you're playing as this woman named Alexandra uh, Roivas. You find out that your grandfather was murdered. Specifically, he was decapitated. And the police aren't really able to find out what happened. So you go to this mysterious mansion that belongs to your family to investigate the murder. And in unraveling things, you find this... Book bound in human flesh. I think it's like called the Tome of. Oh, what is it? I can't remember. It was a book made out of human flesh, and like as you opened it, it was stitched, and you could see like birthmarks and like hair. It was gross. It was weird. But you journey throughout different time periods. There are 12 different characters that you play as, um, and say. Four characters will explore four different settings through different time periods. 
and your whole goal is to defeat this ass or I'm sorry this jerk Pius Augustus <laughs> <laughs> who years ago went to find this this artifact of power years and years and years ago and the artifact he picked uh, made him stronger than one type of artifact but weaker than another so it's mm. following him throughout time as he's trying to hide the artifacts that could essentially kill him away from other people. Um, a cool feature, though. He's hiding his horcruxes? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a cool feature that the game had, and I think Nintendo patented it, was uh, the sanity meter. So if enemies spotted you, it would start to drain your sanity meter, where you would have weird effects like spooky noises, you would hear voices... Um, it would get dark, your camera would get skewed, uh, heads of statues would move and follow your character, but then it would get Ooh. worse, where walls <clears throat> would start to bleed, and ceilings would start to bleed, and then you would enter a room and suddenly your character would die, or it would break... I'm surprised by that, the sanity thing, yeah. because um, Amnesia, The Dark Descent, which is a very popular mm -hmm. game that came out in 20-something, 10 to 2020, yeah. somewhere there. Um, that game has a sanity meter yeah. um, as well. So I don't know if it was something like after the fact that that's why you would see it in other games. I, I don't know. Probably. Yeah. But uh, another effect would be it would break the fourth wall where it would all of a sudden you'll be playing the game and you get a to be continued screen or it would simulate errors such as like you would get a blue screen of death or you would see cockroaches crawl across your screen. So there are just Ooh. a few different unique things that it did to mess with players that it's some of the stuff you said so the sanity meter the cockroaches mm -hmm. across the screen that stuff all happens pinto you played amnesia the dark descent right um that that all happens in the game oh really which is yeah it's really funny to me that you say a game from you know a, a dozen years or earlier yeah. or so like 10 years earlier somewhere in there had a lot of the similar sanity-based concepts. Mm -hmm. And Amnesia of the Dark Descent, it, you know, you have a sanity meter, it starts to make your vision get blurry, yeah. you start to see see bugs across your screen. I remember watching Day9 play that game, popular uh, Twitch streamer now, uh, YouTuber as well, and he freaked out because he thought the bug was real <laughs> when it came across his screen because he was playing in the dark. He thought it was a bug, yeah. and he doesn't like bugs. <laughs> he was freaking out about it. Um, so it's just funny, and then you mentioned that like they they patented it or they copyrighted, you know, that yeah. kind of concept. And it's like, how did they, how did Amnesia manage to do that then? Because that's not created by the same game dev, so I don't know how they got past that. But it's yeah. interesting. I bet you there was some degree of inspiration there for those developers from that game. I know too. Like it was, um, the developer was Silicon Knights which did go mm -hmm. under they went bankrupt so I, I wonder maybe if it was if it had to do with silicone knights but if nintendo had the patent i can't imagine yeah i, I i'm not I'm sure confused. yeah that's that's disappointing if silicone knights went under because they also made my favorite uh port of all time which is metal gear solid uh twin snakes yeah. on the nintendo gamecube which also another game that uses that kind of fourth wall breaking mechanic mm -hmm. uh where you would have the uh the hideo screen, uh, which looks like it says video almost <laughs> until you realize it's Hideo Kojima's name um, and all that kind of stuff. But. Yeah, it, it was like a cool little effect that it added. Like I remember sitting in my room, like 13, 14 years old, playing this game and all of a sudden, it was the first time I saw it, I get this blue screen and I'm like, what happened? What happened to my game? Because it makes you think the game crashed and you lost everything. Um it, Which is terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the real yeah. age of sanity. Uh, it, it didn't have huge success, I think, commercially. It did win some awards, uh, and it, it was a pretty big deal with reviewers. But overall, yeah. most people that I encounter that had a GameCube or were into this type of game, they've never heard of it. They've never played it. So. And it's really, yeah, I, really I, hard to find now. It is. 
I, be- I believe that. I- I've definitely seen the cover before because as soon as you mentioned mm-hmm. it and I-, I said it sounded familiar, I, I took a little Google at it. And uh, it's, yeah, it's definitely a familiar cover. I definitely think I saw press of it in like Game Informer and stuff like that back in the day. I didn't have a GameCube. So uh, it's, yeah. It's not and it was M rated, which was like, you know, pretty big for Nintendo. For the GameCube? For yeah. Nintendo, yeah. <laughs> it's a big deal. Yeah, that's. I found a wiki page on it, and I was like looking at it as you were talking, Megan. It looks really interesting, and for how old the game is, it's surprising just how many effects and everything they yeah. have in it. That's impressive. PT did that, which is part of why I loved mm-hmm. PT so much, and I think the same for you, Megan. Like, it had a lot of those weird, like, it was just a very kind of, it was a horror game, but it was very, like, outside of the box in the way it did things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes horror games good. Exactly, to be honest. So we could we could probably have a whole other discussion on that oh, too. But I mean, um, horror really relies on the element of surprise, and anything that can catch you off guard is gonna make you more scared than something that's not. Yep. Absolutely. Cool. No, that's I'm actually interested to learn more about that game. But if if I may segue, <laughs> of course, <laughs> you, you always. Um, <laughs> I actually have a handful of somewhat older games that I also had in mind as as obscure titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of which I'm going to touch on just very briefly, which was a PlayStation One game called Rhapsody. Uh, have any of you heard of that? No. It, the name Rhapsody, sounds familiar, no. but I would, allow, I allow know me I to summarize. it sounds like it would be some sort of interesting musical game and if you guess that it's a jrpg you guessed right uh it's actually an early atlas title back when atlas was not making good games uh and uh now they're they're better known for uh persona and disgaea uh now but uh, early on, I would say Atlas was kind of a trashy um, semi-visual novel publisher. Um, it, early on in their some people are to America. into that. Some people are. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. The, the, um, okay, I just but the quality say the was big, low. The big problem say. with visual novels is that 85, 90, 95 percent of them are porn. They're dating sims and porn. Yeah. And, like, and some people are into that. Some people are into that. I'm that. into uh, the 5%. Hatful boyfriend? We still haven't played that, Megan. No, we haven't. We still need to play that. But, yeah, just, like, visual novels can be good, but it's all, like, which girl am I going to go out with? Yeah. They're they're highly predicated on the dating simulator format. <laughs> <laughs> um. But anyway, in this case, this was not a visual novel game. This was a RPG which uh, seemed to be based on a strategy RPG, Final Fantasy Tactics kind of style when you get into it. Um, I remember buying it as a relatively young boy, uh, and my mom said, oh, you have you play as a girl in this. Are you okay with that? I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't care. Um, it's going to be like about music and strategy combat, and that's cool. And then I played it. And you play as not only a girl, but the most stereotypical girl in all the land of make-believe, where your first quest in the entire game uh, is to bake a pie for the prince. Ooh, what kind of pie? I wish I were making this up. I wish. Is it a poison berry? You know, I wish I could tell you, but I don't think I made it far enough to find out because the game was so stupid at that point (laughs) that I I had to give it up. Listen, listen. Maybe it got better. (laughs) I will say my favorite part of Paper Mario is when you are playing as Peach making the cake. You do have to... Yeah, and you know, remember, in Super Mario 64, she tells Mario to come over because she baked him a cake. So, I digress, though. (laughs) Listen, I, I, I all credit to Paper Mario. Paper Mario is a very tongue-in-cheek game. It is. Paper Mario is also very self-aware and does not lead <laughs> with the entire game being genuinely about you going to bake a pie for the prince so that he'll like you. Like, that's yeah. the premise of yeah, Rhapsody. That, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's problematic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was really bad. Um, so, needless to say, that game, which I think is actually somewhat of a rarity now, got sold back to GameStop for like 20 bucks. <laughs> um, but the other games I wanted to talk about are actually a little bit more obscure just because they never got an official release in the U.S., um, but they were games I found on Super Nintendo emulators early on in, 
in my uh, career of using Super Nintendo emulators. Uh, and those two games are Bahamut Lagoon and Live a Live, which is a very strange title, but again, Japanese translated. So both of these were Square releases um, that must have been out on a Famicom or Super, Super Famicom uh, and just never made it to the U.S., um, which is very interesting because I would call them both relatively Western in scope. Um, Bahamut Lagoon is kind of a proto um, Final Fantasy Tactics where you play a grid-based combat game on a Super Nintendo grid-based RPG and you raise dragons and you raise them by giving them different items that help them grow so it's almost kind of like a proto pokemon in that sense because this was before pokemon but your dragons would evolve differently based on what you gave them and they would become different types of dragons so you get a poison dragon or a fire dragon or like an ice dragon uh, and you had different military units that would ride these dragons into combat and the military units would fight as well so you again had the grid based rpg strategy rpg combat system and different like magic attacks abilities stuff like that uh very cool um sprite style kind of in the same style of a chrono trigger or final fantasy 6 plot i cannot really remember but it was kind of kingdom on kingdom battling and you had to capture castles and stuff like that which is pretty cool so and and not a short game uh, you know a fully involved rpg so i highly recommend bahamut lagoon as opposed to rhapsody um <laughs> of the same token live a live is an interesting game kind of more based on the saga game premise where you have a, a handful of protagonists from different walks of life so i remember there was a monk i believe there was some sort of singer or something but there was also a professional wrestler the entire game of the professional wrestler was almost kind of Mega Man style where you have to pick the other wrestler that you're going to go up against. Uh, and they were all from different countries and had different backstories. Um, but the combat in that um, was kind of grid based as well, but in a much smaller grid uh, with much larger enemies and different like tile scopes of your attack so you might have one move that goes in like an x pattern and will hit every enemy that's in this x pattern or something that's in a specific square and has a different stun or something like that so and every time as the wrestler if you beat someone you would learn their signature move and then you could use it moving forward so i thought that was really cool uh one of the other ones was also a cowboy in the in the wild west and you would, um, it had a, again, a full kind of RPG adventure mode where you had to go around the town and, uh, talk to people. But then at the end of the day, you had to go have showdowns with, um, the groups that were trying to interfere with your town and stuff like that. So, uh, really fun games that kind of had innovation that I feel like reverberated later in Square Enix's, you know, development cycles. Um, but which were really kind of not played in the West uh, unless you grabbed them on an emulator later on. So uh, I would encourage everybody to go out and play those games. Um, can I can I tempt you, gentlemen, with a little gem called Mr. Mosquito? Um, you can definitely tempt me with any <laughs> game called Mr. Mosquito. Go on. Isn't that on par with uh, Viva Pinata? Wasn't it the no. same company? Um, I don't. Didn't Rare do Viva Pinata? I really don't remember. Yeah, I don't know. It's completely different. Mr. Mosquito, you play as a mosquito, and your goal is to suck the blood from people living in a, speci in a specific household. So your job is to drink their blood undetected, and you can get swatted, which is instant death. Or if you are detected, your job is to, like hit certain points on the human body to like deter them and calm them down and to get them away <laughs> from you it, it came out around the same time as uh katamari damashi which which is another game that i absolutely love uh but this is Katamari's just great. stupid stupid fun it's good for like an hour um but yeah it sounds like cat lateral damage which exactly <laughs> yeah before where you're playing as an animal and you're just having some fun, giving yourself like a, a relaxing game experience. Yep. It's, um, 
It's really interesting that the mosquito targets a specific family. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's probably you're just trapped in that house. Like, th- there's probably a specific reason. Um, but yeah, this was, I think, a PS2 release. I remember going to, I don't know if it was EB or if it was GameStop at that point, but seeing it behind the counter and I'm like, that game, yes. Please, sir, can I buy that? <laughs> I think it was like $10, $15. Oh, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. Games got weird on the PS2. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, so we're of the generation. I've, I've won, well, technically two more games um, to talk about. We're of the generation where, for anyone younger than us, computer classes were not, real, they didn't really have them anymore um, because everybody knows how to use computers and tablets and all that. Um, I, I would be surprised if a kid posted a comment that's like, no, we still have computer classes. In my school. Oh, they. They teach typing yeah. still. Uh, I think they, they bring that in. With okay, them, well, that stuff. when I was a kid, personally, for my computer classes, we did do some typing, but as soon as you got your work done and like you showed the teacher you got 100%, you could play the games on the computer instead. Uh, did, yeah. I, did, did any of you ever play uh, two games, one of them called Ice Cream Truck <laughs> and the other one called Hot Dog Stand? No. No. Okay, so Ice Cream Truck was a fantastic game because you played as a man who bought an ice cream truck and then you would buy ice cream from the factory and then based on the temperature you would decide where to go so like if it was 90 degrees outside you probably wanted to go to the beach but if it's like 80 and and fair weather maybe you go to the park and then you know if it's getting a little bit cold you know because it's starting to hit fall season before you go into like your hibernation until the next spring you would you know want to drive over to the mall and sell at the mall or something so, like, the game was really cool. And, like, you could expand your stuff. Like, you could, I think it was, like, you could build bigger fridges. You could go to certain places. You can go to multiple places in, like, some of the later versions of the game. And that game was just so much fun as a little kid because your goal, obviously, was by the end of the class to have the most money because then you're, like, the best. You know, you have to compete. Uh, so, that game was really fun. And then Hot Dog Stand came out later where you are, I think, made by the same company because I think my company bought software from the same, like, all our software was from the same company. A hot dog stand was you opened up a hot dog stand where you decided what to sell, how much you would stock, because if you overstocked and you didn't sell it, it would go bad. And you like were based, I believe, in like a stadium kind of thing. Uh, so you were at like a football stadium or something, and you had to sell all your product. And some products didn't expire, but your hot dogs, for example, did expire. And you could start buying other things to make more food and stuff. Really awesome game. And just as a little kid, like it was really fun because it was kind of like. It wasn't educational by any means, but it was kind of fun to like have to think about your business and how you would most effectively use your money that you have. Capitalism. So, I love those kind of games. Yeah, it was a capitalist <laughs> game. It was a great game, though. I mean, no, it sounds I, fun. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if any of my friends play this kind of, or any of my friends from elementary school listen to this podcast. But if they were to, they would be like, "Yeah, I remember that game." I actually played Soviet Borscht Stand. Uh, oh, was... yes. <laughs> so if you didn't do as well, obviously the other, uh, the other. Well, one you, yeah. you just set up in the same location in the park every day, and and the price of your borscht is just set by whatever Stalin decrees that morning. Ah, yes. Yeah. Well, there's no Joseph Stalin in uh, <laughs> in hot dog stand, fortunately. Though I think there was some kind of like industry guy that like would adjust the prices of the hot dogs space that you could buy. Do you get like the hot, the hot dog weekly in the morning and it says like, this is what no. the trends are around it's the country. You, you drove hot over dogs, to the, book you, 99. As an ice cream truck, you had to drive over to the factory and buy some. It was, oh, yeah. it was a fun game, man. No, it's, it sounds yeah. fun. I'm just, I'm just playing her. For a game that was on like a 1990 computer, maybe 95 <laughs> computer in elementary school, it was a wonderful game. And it was actually, it was pretty, like, cartoony, like, his animations and stuff, but pretty good game overall, I would say. I, and it was on every I, computer. I honestly think we probably could do a whole episode just about the strange old games we played in computer classes. Um, oh, yeah. Because I remember a ton of them. Um, but in terms of, like, the oldest that I remember doing at school, I don't know if you guys use this program, but there was a quote-unquote turtle program. Uh, which is kind of based on very early, very simple computer graphic designs uh, because the idea is you just had a triangle and it would just draw a line wherever it went. Um, And in order to make the game more interesting, they had uh, transparency sheets with mazes on them that they would put up on the computer screen. Not actually as part of the integrated software, (laughs) but... 
<laughs> but this would just go on the screen and you would have to work your turtle through the uh the maze that way and it was basically like you would have to tell the turtle like up five spaces right five spaces left five spaces um and the savvy kids in class would figure out how to change the color of the turtle Ooh. line yeah, you were a cool kid if you could figure out how to change the color of the turtle. And so uh, that was, you know, these were on like Apple II computers that the school had. Um, but, you know, as we went on, we had uh, Scooter's Magic Castle, um, Putt-Putt Saves the Zoo, games like that. Uh, kid Picks, I don't know if you guys uh, played around with the horribly uh, unusable <laughs> proto-photoshop software that was kid picks no um but uh yeah everyone did the same thing with kid picks you would draw some weird line and then you would grab the bucket tool and just fill in different colors inside all of the different intersections because <laughs> no one else knew what the heck they were doing with photoshop software in sixth grade so i i oh yeah i remember we had this um it, it was like a, it had to be a nintendo game of sorts but it was like it would be Mario characters like Peach, Luigi, Yoshi, but playing backgammon, or you played checkers, and it was just like stupid card games or tabletop games that you would play as Mario characters. That was the most exciting thing we had. Oh, that that reminds. So, uh, I just have to give a little bit of a uh, uh, honorific to my uh, grandfather who passed many years ago, but. Uh, really got me into computing uh, because he had multiple DOS machines and eventually had a Windows 95 computer, but he had all kinds of games for those. So my cousin and I used to play these. Uh, one of them was called Hoyle, which was developed by Sierra. Um, and you could tell it was developed by Sierra because it would incorporate characters from Sierra games into like card games. So, Megan, where you're just talking about, like, backgammon yeah. and stuff like that, there would be poker, and you could play poker against Roger Wilco and Leisure Suit Larry and stuff like that. Um, and the <laughs> most fun was always just, if you bluffed high enough, you would win. So, <laughs> I would just bet, like, $20,000 on, like, every hand to just keep taking everybody's money. Um but they had all kinds of like little games like that with uh, Sierra characters. That's so. cool. Interesting, interesting time. Those older games. Yeah, I loved those older games when I was when I was young. Um, looking at the time, we are getting pretty close to to the end here. Um, thanks for partaking and telling obscure games. If anyone has any thoughts that listen to the podcast, uh, you know, let us know your obscure games that you've seen. Am I missing any games that you guys wanted to talk about? I think we got through everything. Okay. I want to hear so, yeah. all about some of I our listeners' hear, crazy yeah. games. Yeah. <laughs> I do too. I want to hear about some of our listeners' games because I the best part about like the world we're in now is like it's plenty of time. So if someone says, "Hey, look up this game," you're gonna probably find at least a screenshot online. I've already been screenshotting ice cream truck. It seems like they made <laughs> ones for Android, which is oh, hilarious to me. They made it for Android. I wonder if it costs money. I would totally play that game. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so uh, I guess at this point we'll, we'll wrap up here. Uh, thanks everyone for listening and tuning in. Um, catch us on Facebook at Joypad Pod, uh, Instagram at Joypad Pod, Twitter as well too. Uh, and on YouTube, we are Joypad. We have been posting some playthroughs of Diablo 3. Uh, Mike Pinto and I uh, have been playing a game called A Way Out, which we're super excited to talk about Ooh, too that game in a future. Good. Uh, Oh, you played yeah. it? Okay, yeah, we're I'll super excited to, to talk about that. Yeah, it was on the Steam sale that's, that was going on, Steam Summer Sale. Look for it. Um, but yeah, I think that's everything. Did I miss anything? Uh, let me typically... No? No. I think you, I think you I got, think I got everything. everything. I, uh, cool. I, I think anyone that looks for our Twitter should prepare for disappointment, but enjoy <laughs> it. Play Frog Fractions. Do it. Play Frog Fractions. <laughs> Look up all the other games, and we're probably going to... I'm gonna. I have to play for these three uh, a Titanic adventure on top. Yes, can't wait. That's gonna be hilarious. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I think that's everything. I'm getting a call from potential spam. Spam, excuse me. Uh, so Tom, why don't you give us our slogan and we'll get out of here? All right, everyone, stay joyful and Thanks. bake pies for your princes. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to everyone later. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.